Welcome to the MedEvidence Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Corrin and Michelle McCormick. MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the real truth behind medical research with both a clinical and research perspective. In this podcast, we'll have discussions with physicians that have extensive experience in patient care and research. How do you know that something works? In medicine, we conduct clinical trials to see if things work. Now, let's get the truth behind the data. Welcome to MedEvidence, powered by Encore Research Group. Go to EncoreDocs.com. All right, Dr. Hilo, we ended the first segment talking a little bit about the mitigation strategy. You want to go there? Um, so mitigating something means trying to stop it or halt it or limit it. And so um, we know, like we said earlier, that the COVID vaccine um we learned lots of things about putting masks on and wearing gloves. Um, not that we learned them as physicians or um, people in the medical field, but the country learned them and the world learned them because they were in the news. And that resulted in a dramatic decrease in many illnesses, infectious diseases. So why do those things work? Let me turn it over to you, Dr. Horn. Sure. Well, let's let's go into what the different ways of transmitting viruses are. I think it's a, it's a good learning point. And it's actually particularly interesting because, again, the history of COVID was such that there was a little debate uh, about which is the most important transmission strategy. So from a broad perspective, um, you have something that's called droplets. And droplets are you know, basically what it suggests, which is aqueous liquid uh, forms of substances that contain viruses. Mm -hmm. So if you sneeze and you get that the stuff on the sneeze on somebody else's face, well, that would be a droplet, and that can cause infection. Then there's this concept of what's called aerosols, and those are much finer particles, and that was the concern of the CDC, Center for Disease Control. And that's why we're recommending wearing masks. So there were a number of early cases where people were in restaurants, especially in closed in places. And there was one person who was the index case. They had COVID. They were breathing and talking and making a fuss. And other people around the table got it. Mm. There's another example of that where there were choirs that were together. And one person in the choir got it. And they were singing and they were yelling and doing their thing. And all the people around them got it. So the CDC looked at those early cases and said, hey, that's clearly an indication that there's aerosol spread of this virus. Okay. And then there's something that's called fomite spread. And fomite spread is when you actually get the virus on a substance and then somebody else touches the substance. So that's the whole concept of handshaking, which uh, is a focal point for me because I think of the three, that's the one that has been least discussed in the U.S., but ironically the mode of transmission that was the biggest concern in the very beginning of the World Health Organization. Okay. So, um, interestingly, uh, in Asia, where they were kind of more prepared for COVID because of their SARS experience, they were washing everything. They, were, they actually had machines going through the airport that were using antivirals and spreading them all over the place. Mm. And that seemed to be at odds with what the CD was, CDC was saying, which is, oh, just wear your mask and be careful about it and not focus on the handshake. So um, this is a little bit of an aside, but I think that's underappreciated. So, for example, I was watching President Biden give a speech a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, of course, there are Secret Service agents around him. But I noticed that they're allowing him to shake hands with all these strangers, all these well-wishers, after, the, after a speech. And I'm looking at him. This guy's a 79-year-old president. These handshakes could be more lethal than a bullet. Mm -hmm. 
and huh. and, and I, I was like envisioning the Secret Service guy jumping out in front of him and shaking hands for him, <laughs> so that the president has to shake hands with somebody. Visual, yeah. So to, you know, taking the bullet for the president, mm-hmm. taking the handshake for the president. So anyhow, those are the three modes of of transmission of these things, and there's a debate about which is more important, which is more relevant, but. The fact is that it can occur all all them. So obviously, if somebody's sneezing, get far away from them, and that's the concept of social it's distancing, feet, yeah. right? So if even if somebody sneezes, you're far enough away, chances are you won't get enough of the virus to to get sick. Wearing a mask is, of course, is important, especially if you're in enclosed places. That's uh, better to have. Uh, Interactions with people outside, where you're less likely to have a concentration of the virus, just common sense things. And wait a and- minute, let me ask you um, to clarify a little bit, or let me clarify a little bit, because um, you know we've had this whole big debate of is the N95 necessary? Do you have to have a mask with oxygen? Yeah, well, and, and, yeah, and which one of those is going to be better for which mode of transmission? Sure. And um, you know, a regular ordinary mask will help protect you from spreading it, giving it to somebody else. And N95 um, is protective not only of, you know, spreading it, but of getting it as well because it seals around. So the fomites are better protected. The bigger, the other kind of masks are more protective against the bigger droplets. But Mm. any way that you can protect against that with a mask is going to be very beneficial. And that's important to stress because it has been shown that that can be extremely beneficial beneficial. Um, not only that, but even the fomite spread, you know, we touch things and then we touch our eyes, our nose and our <laughs> mouth. Well, if our nose and our mouth are covered, two thirds of the mode of transmission is going to be limited. Mm. Um, and although everybody says, well, wear gloves and I've seen people wearing gloves and they're wearing them all day long or they're wearing them for an hour, touching various things, but then they're touching their face with right. that gloved hand. So you need to understand how to use each one of these before you can listen to the media that makes conclusions that, well, gloves don't work. This person wore their gloves all day long yeah that was the problem um so you got to make sure that you're taking them off when when they become contaminated or that you're using the right kind of mask or um that you are social distancing in addition to or using a hand an elbow to elbow covid handshake um wearing a glove and doing the handshake isn't going to help you if you're then going to touch your face with Mm -hmm. that gloved hand and and it's just so such a pity that all of this has been in the news and so confusing to everybody i agree I agree. Yeah, and just to make it very simple, is wearing a mask will certainly protect somebody else if you sneeze into the mask and will protect you to some degree. Wearing an N95 mask that has much smaller pores will protect you even more because viruses can get through standard paper masks or cloth masks. Mm-hmm. So there's this concept of the the recipient of the sneeze or the transmission versus the one that they have it that can give it to others. And then, of course, I completely agree that fomite spread is is under-recognized. Mm. So wash your hands like crazy, in general, not just for COVID, but right. for any virus. Yes. Wash yes. your hands like crazy and give the COVID handshake. Yes, sir. Always. All right. So about the vaccines, though. All right. So the strategies that we were just talking about are great strategies to help prevent the exposure and help prevent against getting that virus on you, in you, around you. And, um, but we can't always do that. So we want to look at strategies that can help us minimize the amount of illness that we would get if, in fact, we got um, that virus in our system. And so we'll talk next about uh, flu vaccines, vaccines in general, and how we make them and how they work. Yeah, and one thing before we go off that in terms of limiting exposure is to use a little bit of common sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you an example. 
Um, I'm actually headed to, to some other town in about an hour. So <laughs> hopefully the plane will be, will be waiting for me. It should be. But my daughter calls me this morning and says that she has some sniffles. So we're going to actually visit grandparents. Mm. And so immediately I'm saying, okay, I have to make a decision. Do I put this person on the plane or not? And uh, so I rushed right before I did this interview and got somebody to go to her apartment to, to give her COVID test. The thinking being that if she has a positive COVID test, we'll leave her at home and not put her on the plane. Right. But if it's just you know a very low level virus, then we can probably mitigate that. Yeah. So would she still wear a mask on the plane? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So these are I'm giving this as an example. These are practical things. So not only is it personal protection, but also think about the, th- the people around you. And knowing particularly for COVID is that older people are definitely more vulnerable, but there may be other people that have pre-existing conditions or. People have have been vaccinated for things. I've had to get into this a little bit. I know that some of my daughter's friends haven't been vaccinated, and that's going to make me a little bit more concerned than people I know have been vaccinated in terms of the type of viruses they may have mm-hmm. or the likelihood of spreading them. So there's there's some social elements to the mitigation strategy, and I, at least I advise my patients to ask questions. Who are you going to be around? Um, you know, it's a little uncomfortable sometimes. Say, have you been vaccinated? Or it's a little bit uncomfortable. Hey, you're, you're kind of sniffling a little bit. You, you feeling okay? But don't be afraid to make those observations. And, and even if you're sniffling a little bit, hey, uh, good to see you. But I'm going to stay a little bit far away from you today. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And these are, it, it's funny because all these social pressures are to interact with people and to shake hands and whatnot. But if you have a smile on your face and you're good natured about it and you say, you know, we're, we're all doing our part to protect the public and ourselves, then it's okay to have these conversations and, and still have a smile on your face and be friendly and enjoy each other. Yeah, I was at the doctor yesterday and um, it was mask required in the doctor's office. But when she came into the room, she didn't have one on. Right. And I'm like, okay, are you comfortable with me taking my mask off? And she said, absolutely. So, sure. you know, and have that's great. that conversation. And that's a great example. You, it gives you a little time to assess things. So if two people are, are together and they're clearly both very healthy at that time and, and you're comfortable, you can ask you to take your mask off. And it's, I, I still would stay my four to six feet away. I, I, I'm enjoying my and personal space the, the and, and, and do these things. I think those are all just good general measures. But don't be afraid to assess the situation is what I'm really saying. I'm your host, Michelle McCormick, and we want to thank Dr. Michael Corrin for his clinical and research perspective behind the science in this episode of Evidence: The Truth Behind the Data.